and welcome back to the Gritty Men Podcast. I am John Riggs, your host, and we are a community of God's men striving to live God's way for God's glory. Our whole purpose in being here is to equip, inspire, and to encourage you men along your way in your journey of serving your king and um, living in a way that honors and glorifies him in your everyday life. And so on today's podcast, we're going to address the topic of warfare and um, the battle that we um, know as men that we are part of and that we are engaged in. And we realize as we read in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul the Apostle writes, Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to take your stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the principalities, um, spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. And then Paul moves on and talks about how we need to put on the armor in order to uh, engage the enemy and to stand in victory. Now, when we think about this word, this word, um, taking a stand, it's not a passive stance. In other words, we're not just standing around, standing in one spot. That's not what it's speaking of. It's, it's talking about the resolve in which we are standing. And we know our position in Christ. We, we do uh, battle from a position of high ground and victory. We know that. But this means to persist and continue with perseverance in standing against all of these things that are coming against us. And we know that um, the um, spiritual realm is manifested in the physical realm. Our flesh and blood is not our enemy, but we do know that the enemy operates through men and women that are wicked or those that are deceived. And so that is a real true reality for us as Christian men in our day. Now, we know that as we approach the, uh, the, the time of Christ's return, as we are, um, we don't know when, but we know Christ is coming, and we know that we're nearing uh, that time um, just in the number of years since Christ has left and the promise of his return, and then also what Scripture teaches in relation to the season of what it will look like when Christ returns. We know that we're living in the latter part of the latter days. That's something we're pretty certain of. Um, And so for you men, um, trying to live a godly life in a very ungodly culture and try to to serve your king and live for his kingdom in a fallen kingdom in this world, it poses a very, very, very difficult um, way of, of, of battling in our own life. And we face this every single day of our life. And so I want to hopefully help you today understand a little bit more about your enemy Um, understanding and knowing that our position is secure in Christ, and we do battle from the high ground, and we do battle from a position of victory. There's no question about that. But um, just reading out of Colossians chapter uh, 1, verses 13 today, or I should say verse 13 today, that's going to be our scripture memory verse for the week, guys. It is Colossians 1, 13, and this is what Paul writes, speaking about what Christ or God has done in Christ for those of us who have come to faith in Jesus. It says, He has delivered us from the domain or dominion or rule, if you will, of darkness. And He has transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved or glorious Son, depending on your translation. And so something has happened that is absolutely incredible in regards to our salvation Um, We still live in this world, but we are not of this world. And as I've mentioned before, guys, if you can understand this, that we are kingdom men. In fact, really all men, whether they know it or not, are part of a dominion, a rule, or a kingdom. Um, We were at one time, as Paul mentions in Ephesians, were by nature objects of wrath, that we were living opposed to the kingdom of God. We were enemies of God, enmity or at strife against God. And because of the incredible love of God and the mercy of God toward us, even though we had merited and deserved and earned eternal hell and damnation, um, God set his affection on us in love and mercy and grace and was pleased by his own purpose and plan to reveal Christ to us. And by faith, we believed and trusted when Christ called us and was revealed to us. We came to the knowledge and faith that what Christ has done and who Christ is 
was true, and we repented and believed upon Jesus Christ. And at that moment, we were transferred from the kingdom of or dominion of darkness and transferred in the kingdom of the glorious Son. But this battle still rages, and it will to the very end of time of this age. And Jesus Christ, of course, will come, and he will have his way with the kingdom of darkness. And um, we, we're looking forward to that day. But until then, we have to stand, and that word stand is not a complacent word. It's not a passive word. It is a very active role that we actually um, live out in our everyday lives as kingdom men living for Christ our King, being transferred into his glorious kingdom, and we are representatives of the king and the kingdom by which we are citizens of. And so let's look at what scripture teaches us in relation to this fallen kingdom. And I, I'm afraid there's a lot of Christians who don't really understand or grasp this, and there's a lot of men out there that maybe are listening or, or are going to listen maybe in the future in regards to the truth of this reality. And I want you to see that Scripture does teach that we're living in um, the domain or the little g God of this age under the ruleship in this world, under the, the, the ruleship of Satan. But we do know that even that is underneath the sovereign uh, power and might of Almighty God. But there's reasons that it's this way. So I want to show you in Scripture today that what we're living in, it'll help you understand um, certain passages of Scripture where, where Jesus explicitly says that we are to not love the world or anything of the world, right? That we are to store up treasures in heaven, not on earth. Um, we, we, we begin to see this paradox that we are living in a fallen kingdom, but we now have been brought into a glorious kingdom of victory, might, and power, the kingdom of God. And yet we live in this fallen kingdom. We don't live for it. We live for the new kingdom and the new king that we have been brought into by God's mercy and his grace. But we are affected by the kingdom of darkness here in this fallen kingdom or domain. And let's, let's look at what scripture teaches about this. So um, this is going to be probably a little lengthy in um, time and duration for this podcast. I'll try to keep it within an hour, um, and let's just learn together what Scripture teaches for us to help us better understand who our enemy is, how he's operating in the world, how he always has operated in the world since the fall, and what the Word of God teaches us about Christ's kingdom and how Christ came and the purpose for him coming and what he has redeemed and what his plan will ultimately bring to, to pass um, in relation to this fallen kingdom. In Matthew chapter 12, verses 22 through 28, there is a, something that has happened here that we're reading about Christ. There was a demon-possessed man um, who had been afflicted, who was blind and who was mute. And this man was brought to Christ. By the way, Jesus Christ, we know, is God. He is the second person of the triune Godhead. He always has been. He always will be. Uh, he is the creator of all things. He is not the false teaching of the Gnostics, simply Michael, who was an angel created by God and then became Christianized or Christed, if you will, when he came and, and came to earth. Now, this is a false teaching of Gnosticism. It's pagan at its root, and it goes all the way back to, to Egypt. Um, it's actually rooted in satanic um, deception. Jesus Christ, guys, he is God. And he came and took upon flesh. He is the second person of the triune Godhead, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One other thing, I'm, I don't want to get sidetracked here, but just thinking of this. This is not modalism either, where, where God has revealed himself in different modes throughout time. And wherever God the Father is represented there, he's a mode there. And then when Jesus Christ is seen, there's a mode of God. And then we have the Holy Spirit, it's another mode. That's called modalism, and that is heresy, and that is a false teaching. No, this is one God in three distinct persons, and yet they are each 100% fully, fully God. They function within the Godhead differently, but they are equal in every way in relation to them being God. So we need to see this. So Jesus Christ, of course, we know here, operating through the power of the Holy Spirit, he heals this man. He casts out this, this demon. 
and the man speaks and he's able to see. And these people that were there witnessing this were amazed and they actually even actually uh, wanted to know. They asked the question, being Jewish, is this the son of David? Is this the promised one who was to come? Well, when the Pharisees learn about this, they say, no, this Jesus did not do this by the power of God. He did it through another agency, which would be the power of darkness. And they said it was only of Beelzebub, or Beelzebub is, is who they, it's the prince of demons that Jesus actually was able to do this. And so Jesus makes the statement here. He's going to show that there's a demonstration of two kingdoms here. Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste. And no city or house divided against itself will stand. Listen, that's why the enemy is all about trying to bring division in your family and in your marriage. Because it's what he does. He's divisive in those things. Because we, we know that he works in this manner. But look what Jesus is saying here. He says, no city or house can stand if it's divided against itself. And if Satan, he's given a point here, casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. And then how will his, listen to what Jesus says, his kingdom, little k, how will his kingdom stand? So if what I've done here is by Satan, then Satan is fighting against his own kingdom and his own kingdom will not stand. Jesus makes it very known that what he did, he did by the power of the Spirit of God that he cast out this demon. And what he represents here in his indication, number one, is that Satan, the fallen angel who was once Lucifer, who led a rebellion against God, who wanted to ascend above the throne of God to be like God, this, this created being by God, this incredible, powerful, angelic being that was before the very throne of God, he led a rebellion against God in heaven. We know this is true. We'll read about it later in Scripture here. But Jesus indicates that he does have a kingdom. And also Jesus demonstrates that the kingdom of God, through the ability to cast the demon of Satan's kingdom out of this man, he demonstrates something very powerful here, that the kingdom of God is superior in every single way, form, and fashion to the kingdom of Satan and the kingdom of darkness. And he demonstrates that through that. Um, we know that there are two kingdoms, guys. It's the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. And Satan's kingdom stands in direct opposition to the kingdom of God. So, what we're taking a stand against is against a kingdom that is in direct opposition to the kingdom of God. Now, we're not wrestling and fighting necessarily against flesh and blood because we know behind all the works of evil and darkness in our time ultimately is the kingdom of darkness, Satan and his demonic hordes that are behind these things. That's why we see this wickedness increasing. It's as if a door has been opened in our time and the, and the wickedness is increasing at such a rate and manner that it's absolutely almost hard to understand and to see. But we as God's men in God's kingdom, living for our king, we are standing firm with perseverance and endurance, and we're standing firm in the power of the Lord God Almighty. And we're standing against the kingdom in opposition to the kingdom of God. And so as kingdom men, we're going to face this battle on a daily basis. You will fight this battle in some way, shape, form, or fashion. So our opposition comes from the evil spiritual kingdom comprised of evil spiritual beings. Each created, they were angelic beings with a free will and each unique and very powerful. Um, these angels operate in the spirit realm, but it, the, 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 their work is manifested in the physical realm. Um, we're truly at a war with these beings um, and this is more real than even the things that we see. We can't see the spirit realm, so to speak, but we see the effects of it operating in the physical realm. I mean, you look at our own country, for example, and we, we see the degradation and the depravity and the outright just debased minds of people in our time. And we as God's men living for God's glory and we're living God's way, 
for God's glory in this time, we understand that we are operating and living for a king and a kingdom that is not of this world, but he has placed us in this world that we would be the representatives of his kingdom and sharing the truth of the gospel message of Christ that is the power of God to salvation that all who believe. Plus, we're resisting the kingdom of darkness. We stand in resistance to it by our own personal beliefs and convictions and following the word of God in our life. We're standing in opposition to it. And it is a great, great, great battle. No question about it, men. We are in this. Um, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 17 through 18, I'm going to read this to you. This, this will be out of the New King James Version translation. But Paul says, For our light affliction, which is but a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen, understanding there's something behind all this. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So Paul, in a sense, is saying here that there are true things that exist in a spiritual realm that we are unable to see, and it's more real in relation to even what we see in the physical realm because these things are eternal. And so um, Paul makes it very, very clear that we don't need to just simply be focusing on the things that we can see, hear, smell, touch, and taste because the ultimate battle that we are in is something that is, 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 is much more nefarious just operating through those senses, but it is behind it and is the kingdom of darkness, and it's real, and there is a hierarchy within that kingdom, just like there's a hierarchy within the kingdom of God. How do you think Lucifer or Satan, how do you think he learned that? He learned it from God, and he established that with because he can't create. He can, he can follow what he's seen and been demonstrated by example through the kingdom of God, but he can't create anything because he's a created being. And he's limited, although powerful, limited in what he can do because God is all-sovereign and all-powerful. And so... We're going to see that this has been manifested from all through, crea all through the very, very beginning, from Genesis all the way through. We're going to see the manifestation of this reality where Adam was usurped or he willingly gave his dominion, rule, and power and authority. He gave it away to Satan and became under him. He fell and sin entered the world. And from that time, you'll see that this has been operating in the world. And Christ has come to redeem all that was lost as the second Adam, so to speak, as the kinsman redeemer of his people. And um, the word of God makes it very clear, men, that there are two kingdoms. Don't forget that. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of Satan, and it's in constant opposition to the kingdom of God in Christ. Now, every kingdom has certain features, men. And although we live in a different time, you know, we live in a republic with a democratic form of government, um, so we're kind of a little bit separated from the reality of how a kingdom would have been run. Um, but for those of you that study any history and, 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 and have an interest in that, you obviously have read about kings and how they rule and, and how, how the citizenry of that kingdom, so on and so forth, operate. Well, here it is. Every kingdom has a king. Every kingdom. Every kingdom has territory over which the king rules. Remember, territory, very important. Every kingdom has a citizenry or people that are ruled over by the king. And every kingdom has a form of government, so to speak, a system to implement and enforce the will of the king over people and kingdom. So in Matthew chapter 4, verses 8 through 11, as we kind of begin to understand what's going on in this world, why are things like they are? Um, it's much deeper than what you and I ever have been told or taught in relation to what is really going on in the world itself. Um, it's it's mind-blowing to think about what all we see happening in the world and the powers and the the empires and all of these things. What is what is really operating in this world is is, is, is at a much deeper level and it's being, um, run through the kingdom of darkness in many ways. We're seeing this stuff implemented through, through wicked leaders and men, and all of these things are taking place. But in Matthew chapter eight, 4, verses 8 through 11, here Jesus now um, has just gone through a period of testing 
um, over a 40-day period of time. He's, he's fasting and he's praying. He's, he's getting ready to begin his, his ministry. Um, and he is tempted by Satan. Remember, Satan was trying to even prevent, he's always been trying to prevent Christ from being able to come and Christ being able to redeem and so on. It's, it's been all the way from in Genesis where we read that the, 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 the head of the serpent would be crushed by the, the foot of the, of, of, the, of the seed of the woman. So the seed of the serpent um, and the seed of the woman. We know that he knew that mankind would have a seed. There would be one who would come and who would crush his head, who would wound him, who would bruise him. And, and we know that Christ Jesus has done that. So he didn't want this to take place, has tried to usurp it all through history, through the nation of Israel, trying to get them off track and for God to judge them according to his own word. And then we have all the way with Christ and, you know, the, the prevention of even all the babies being killed by Herod. And we can go down the list of things as we see behind the, the curtain, if you will, working within the darkness of it all in the plan and purpose of his own is to usurp this and keep this from happening. But but what he does, he comes and he he comes to Christ and he says, And the devil took him upon an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world. Now this is this is amazing. Listen to this. And their glory. And Satan said to Christ, All these things I will give you if you fall down and you worship me. Satan was going to, like he did the first Adam, let you usurp this deal. You don't have to go and provide redemption for mankind in order to be a king that would rule on this earth. I'll give you the kingdoms of this world, but you have to bow down and worship me as king, as God. And what does Christ say to him? <laughs> Away with you, Satan, for it's written, You shall worship the Lord God, and him only shall you serve. And then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to Christ. So see, Satan had the authority and the right, the title deed to the earth. He actually has that. Um, we know Christ takes it back because in Revelation uh, chapter 5, in Revelation chapter 4 and 5, we do see that this is what's taking place in heaven, that Christ is the only one worthy to take the title deed to the earth, and then the seals of that title deed and are, are, are beginning to be opened, and this is the wrath of God uh, that will begin to be poured out on the earth and so on and so forth as we read through Revelation. It is Christ taking back his kingdom, or taking the kingdom, if you will, and then his kingdom will be set up on this earth what we know the Bible teaches as a thousand-year period of time, and it is called the millennial kingdom where Christ will rule and reign, and we as Christian men and women will rule and reign with him. Um, so, so Jesus doesn't deny that Satan had the authority to offer this. In fact, there's a little more information that we can read in Luke's uh, account on this very same, um, this very same event. So in Luke chapter 4, verses 5 through 8, we read this. Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, that is to Christ, All authority I will give you and their glory, for this has been delivered. Notice the word delivered. It has been delivered to me, and I will give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. Now, we know that Satan still offers aspects of this to men and women today. You hear this from many people within the, um, the acting world. You hear this from Hollywood. You hear this from the music industry. And, and Satan will give men and women power. He'll give them wealth. He gives them prominence, um, fame. He will offer that, but it comes at a very high cost. And there are numerous people that just come right out and say, well, there was a cost for this. It cost me my very soul. So they, they sold out for the very temporary, and it came at a high cost. And they're, they're the ones that are promoting this wicked, vile filth of our culture today. 
And it's not surprising. Why? Because they are doing exactly what they are told to do. And they are what? They are representing the one in whom they serve, which is obviously Satan. And it's, it's, being, it's all around us. It's, it's incredible in the time in which we're living in. Um, so all kingdoms of the world, he, he, we see here that he had the authority to offer that. And that is a kingdom. This word in the Greek is a kingdom, the realm in which a king sovereignly rules. Um, all authority, Satan said that I would give you. The word authority means power to act. It is the authority. It is... Um, it is conferred power, delegated empowerment, operating, operating in a designated jurisdiction. Remember, in the very beginning, God made Adam. And God told Adam that he was to what? He was to have dominion and to rule over all that God had created. And then when he made Eve from Adam, he gave him the same thing. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it have dominion over it. Well, we, we know where this was given and delivered unto Satan, the usurper, and we see that in the garden when we see Satan come. Um, and what does Adam do? Adam didn't take his rightful place and position of authority to have dominion over everything. God had given him dominion over that and the authority under God to be representing God in what God had created. Adam didn't do that. He gave his way over to Satan, who said basically this, you don't need God. In fact, God knows that when you eat of this fruit, you'll be like him. And this is just the lie of the, the evil one, and he's done it throughout the millennia. Um, For this has been delivered unto me, Satan said. It's been delivered unto me. That word means to hand over, to give, or to deliver over, to betray. Remember, we know Adam did that. Adam betrayed Um the the rightful place of authority and ruleship that he'd been given. It means properly to give, to turn over, to hand over, to deliver over with a sense of close personal involvement. Um, Satan said, I can give it to whomever I wish. And Satan is still making that offer and still doing that today. The catch to this, though, guys, is for all who do this, they must worship him. And in the end, they're lost and damned forever. Here we learn that one of Satan's number one desires is that he, more than anything else, wants to be worshipped like or as God. For when men worship something other than God, Satan is ultimately worshipped. And to be like God, um, and to be worshipped like that, um, this worship must be bestowed unto Satan. That is why God hates idolatry absolutely despises idolatry because men are not following what God says that I am to be the Lord. I, you worship me and me only shall you serve. You should have no other gods before me. And then we see the nation of Israel falling into this very snare and trap within the, the lands they would go through. God says, do not do the practices of the people in the land that I'm taking you. Do not take upon yourself their idols and worship their gods because they're pagan. Where did all this pagan worship and all of these, these religious pagan acts come from? They came from the kingdom of darkness. And God says, you are to be my people. I have taken you out of the world and made a nation and a people for my own sake. And they were to honor and follow God and worship him alone. But what happened was they didn't do that. They would be what? Led into uh, the deception of, of, of the women they would, they would marry outside of Israel. And they were constantly dabbling in the things of the world and being sucked into this idolatry. Because, see, Satan knows that if they're not worshiping God, ultimately he's the one that is being worshiped. And idolatry is what leads to that worship of Satan and removes that worship rightly due to God. And we see that throughout the nation of Israel and over and over and over. And God judged them and judged them and judged them. And this is a reality of what the enemy was doing. He offers the same things to you and I today. That's why we've got to be gritty men. We've got to be men who know what's going on. Remember, we have the lie, the lure, and then we have the lair. And he always offers these things. He pertains to the lust of the eyes the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Those are the things of the world. 
And that's what's drawing you away from the things in the kingdom of God in Christ. It's the way he works in our life. And so we in our day are witnessing, guys, the climax and the coming end of Satan's kingdom. It will climax to a point where the Bible teaches in the book of Revelation that all whose names have not been written in the Lamb's book of life, every one of those who have not been, will worship Satan. It will happen, ultimately. That's going to be a reality. And what we're going to see as we, as we learn in Daniel, Daniel's given the rest of the empires of the world, starting with Babylon. And what we're going to see here is we have the Babylonian Empire, and then we move to what? We have the, the Medo-Persian Empire, and then the Grecian Empire, and then from there we move to the Roman Empire, and then we're going to see how this Roman Empire, will, which is imperialism, will rise again, and we're, we're moving there quickly, men. Um, it's called the New World Order. It is Luciferian, it is satanic, it is rising to power, and it will rule over the world for a very short period of time. But Christ, who is the rock that Daniel saw coming out of a mountain not cut out by human hands, comes down and smites all the other uh, kingdoms. And his kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom that will be one he will rule and reign with a rod of iron. His kingdom is coming, but before the kingdom of Christ comes in reality, in fullness, the kingdom of Satan will one more time rise up here with a new world order system that will be implemented. Right now, we have many nations, but this is going to shift, and it is shifting, and it is changing. And men, if you have the wisdom to see and understand it and the discernment, all the things that we see going on in the world, and let me just mention this. This is very important. After World War I, the world came together and says, we, we can't have this again. And so they formed what was called the League of Nations. The League of Nations was put in place to ensure that we wouldn't have another world event like we did in World War I. But as we know from history... That did not last. In fact, not long after, we have another world war. And so, knowing that the League of Nations failed in its attempt to prevent that from happening again, what we have World War II happens, and then what did man form after World War II? Well, the Bible, I mean, history tells us it formed what? The United Nations. The United Nations was formed as a way of prevention and a coalition who would prevent this from ever happening again. But unfortunately, it's not going to work because there's going to be World War III. It's going to happen. Gog Magog. It's coming. In fact, if you study what the Bible teaches, in, in, in especially in Ezekiel chapter 38 and 39, and as you study that section of Scripture, which is a future event, and war that will take place, um, you notice that Israel is, is, is the focal point again. And I know this is going to cut short our time here today, but I, I think it's important and imperative that we understand this. To God, the centerpiece of the world is not the United States of America. In fact, if you really know the true history of this nation, and you understand our government, and you understand the powers behind all that's going on in this country, you'll learn and understand that it's not the God of the Bible that we're dealing with, but we are a nation under many gods. All you have to do is go to Washington, D.C. and walk around and look at what is present there. Yes, the Bible is portrayed and we have scripture verses, but let me tell you something. There's many other gods represented there. In fact, the District of Columbia is actually named after a goddess. <laughs> That's just the reality. It's the truth. And if you were to go to the Capitol building and look up at the rotunda, you're going to see not only is George Washington a god, but there's also a whole rotunda full of what? Pagan gods and goddesses. Why is that? <laughs> there's a reason for that, guys. All you have to do is realize and understand that what is behind all of this, it, it's not Christianity. 
Because if it was truly Christianity, think about that. Christians, we worship the one true living God. But we have all religions and all faiths in this nation. Um, not that freedom of religion is not significant, but that's not something God told the nation of Israel. God didn't tell the nation of Israel, you're free to worship any God you want to. No, he says, I am the Lord God. You shall worship me and me alone shall you serve. You shall have no other gods before me. But if you understand in more detail about the Masonic um, structure in Washington and the power behind it and where it all came from, you're going to learn and understand more about the pagan reality of America. And it's not, it's not what you think it is. Now, I can spend a whole lot of time going through this, but for, t- for sake of time today, I'm not going to do that. But I want you to know that, that the centerpiece for God is the nation of Israel. And not only the nation of Israel, but it's the land that God gave as an inheritance to his people, Israel. And it's not just the land, it's also a city. And the city, the holy city, the centerpiece of the center of the bullseye, is the city of Jerusalem. And isn't it interesting that from Babylon, God judged the nation of Israel because of their paganism and their idolatry and their wickedness, and God judges them. We have the Assyrians, and then we have the Babylonians. So we see that now Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians come with what is left, and what do they do? They are led into captivity. And so now the nation of Israel, literally from the time of Babylonian captivity until, if you just literally, if you think about the reality of this, until um, to this very day, or let's especially say 1948, there's never been a king, so to speak, that wasn't a pagan king um, that ruled over them. It was always another pagan Gentile empire that ruled over Israel. So what's fascinating about all this is, and then you see the dispersion of the people from Israel. You see in 19, um, excuse me, in AD 70, we have Titus come and the destruction of the temple and the Jews are scattered and we have the dysphoria and and we have now this incredible, just they're scattered all over the, the globe over time. But something significant happens in 1948. Israel, once again, is born in a day. And God, after what after what Hitler had done and the horrible Holocaust, God, although it was done through men, the nation of Israel is formed. It's back in its land, and we have now um, the people there. It's just this incredible shift. Well, the reason they have to be is because the focal point of the war, of what World War III will ultimately be, or the Gog-Magog War, is going to be the nation of Israel. And, and we see all the things happening in the world. You still notice today it's centered around Israel, even today, all the turmoil. And we see what's going on right now currently with Ukraine and this crazy bonkers war that's going on. And, and I know some of you are going to hate on me for saying this, but let me just go ahead and say it anyway because I don't really care how many people I offend. Um, Russia could have ended this war. <laughs> And for anyone out there to tell you that Russia doesn't have the power, the manpower, the, the, um, the weaponry to go ahead and just finish this deal, they're, they're, they're bonkers. <laughs> they're, they're, not, they're not true. There's something more going on here with Russia holding and waiting, and now we got you know the United States and our very, very, very um, inept leadership. <laughs> and, and by the way, he's there because God placed him there, guys. That's the truth and reality. God puts kings in place, and he removes kings. God is sovereign. But we have a very inept, weak rule, and not only rule, but just government overall. They have no character. There's no integrity left. Um, it's just they lie, they're wicked, they're deceitful. Not every single politician, but, but for the most part they are. There are a few good men and maybe women there, but there's a few good men um, that are doing some things, but very little is happening. Um, it's because we're not going to turn this thing around. Now, you can just get real upset and say, oh, John, I'm going to go. Let me tell you something. I actually considered running for Congress a few years ago. I went and spoke to some politicians about it. 
and they asked me why I wanted to run. Now, this has been some time back. And, um, and I told them, I said, well, I want to I wanna bring about change because I don't believe that there's true representation being given uh, for the people of, of this area that I would be actually uh, serving. And I want to bring about change. And they literally laughed and said, you're not going to, you won't bring about any change. The power system in Washington, you, 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 it'll take years before you even have enough clout to even be on a committee, let alone have any influence because it's so deep and sinister and dark and the power behind it all. You're not going to change this. Now, it doesn't mean we don't live for, as godly men living God's way for God's glory. It doesn't mean that. But what it does mean, if you know anything about Bible prophecy and scripture, we're moving, history is moving to a destination. It's moving to a destination already sovereignly predicted and determined in the sovereign plan and will of God. It's moving in a direction to a point, to a place, to a time. It's moving there and no man will stop it. it you're not going to stop this from happening. And what we know from the last several presidents is that we, through their own words and their own um, admittance, that they are wanting to what? To bring in, to usher in the new world order. America's part of it, guys. The new world order. What is that? That's the Luciferian, Antichrist, new world order system that we read about in Scripture that rises to power in the last days and will rule literally over the world, it will rule. Now, the Gog-Magog war, I think, will be a great platform for the United Nations to realize it was a failure, and then possibly, this is my opinion now, that the, the new world order system will be implemented and in place where there's 10, 10 nations who are, who are under the authority and power and leadership of the what we know as the Antichrist, um, who has been given power by who? Who's behind all the kingdoms of darkness and the pagans and all the, the Gentile empires? Who's behind them, guys? We read about it in Scripture. We're going to show you here in a little bit. It is the dragon. It is Satan. He is the one. Why? Because he is the little god of this age. He has a kingdom here. And those pagan empires are part of his kingdom. And they're fighting against the kingdom of God in Christ, so to speak, in relation to all the opposition of God's word, um, of, of godliness, of Christ-likeness, of, of morality, of, of all of these things. And, and, and the goal is keeping men in darkness and shrouded in darkness and the increase in wickedness and sin. It's all about destruction, and that's what the enemy is going to ultimately bring about in the lives of those who reject Christ. It will bring about that. And so what we know is, is that this is climaxing to a time here where Satan literally will establish and set up his final empire that will rule over the world, over the world. There's really not an empire, so to speak, right now that's ruling over the world, but this one is rising and they're tearing everything else down to bring this empire up through to a point where it will rule and reign. And you have to begin to ask yourself questions about what's going on over here with this war. Because now you have this weird stuff happening with this inept rule and leader that we have in our nation and all the money that's being funneled over there to Ukraine and, and how that money, what, what in the world's being done with all those billions and billions of dollars? It's not going to help them win the war. So what's being done with it? Well, there's a lot of other things that we could talk about, and I realize that I'm not here to talk about a political deal on this show, um, but, but the reality is it's happening. And we have all these people saying, well, you know, Russia could, no, Russia could stomp this thing. But there's, they're waiting. And they're, 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 they're waiting for the right moment. And it's probably going to happen, I believe, this year. But we have now the, the NATO. You know, NATO's tried to kind of stay out of it. But, boy, they're kind of like, they're picking some fights. And they're, they're giving some, 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 um, some ammunition and some weaponry. And there's financial help. And then we have other nations that are, that are joining in the suit to, to help Ukraine. Listen to me, guys. There is something going on here that's way, way, way bigger than what the media is ever going to tell you. Because they're nothing but propaganda. They're all propaganda. I don't care what media source out there you're listening to on television. They're all owned and operated and paid for by, by elites. That's the truth. And so 
They give this picture that we have left and we have right, which we do, and we have the, we have the Republican, we have the Democrat. You have this whole thing about options and choices and so on and so forth. It, it's really just smoke and mirrors. It's all it is. But nonetheless, what we're seeing is the kingdom of darkness is going to be raising itself up to now where it will rule over the whole world, and it will do that under Antichrist, who is given power and who's possessed ultimately by Satan. And we're going to see the false trinity, and we're going to see all this as well. And the whole world is going to be led astray through this, man. It's going to be a time of great deception. And so what we understand is this kingdom is real, that we are in opposition to, that is standing against God, that has the whole purpose to, to take the very crowning glory of God's creation and, and to destroy them and to lead them into deeper wickedness and depravity. And there are those who willingly serve and are a part of that. There's others who are just blinded and veiled and who are still in the kingdom of darkness. And so we are here with a great purpose. And our purpose is to share the gospel because it's the power of God to salvation for all who believe. Okay, how long have I been going here? All right, I've been going 46 minutes. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to share a few more things. Um, and then we're going to wrap up for today. But I want to just close with this. For those of you who still doubt whether Satan has a kingdom and has authority to give power and authority to others, um, go ahead and open your Bibles with me to Revelation chapter 13, 1 through 4. We're going to read um, what, what this passage says in relation um, to his kingdom, this final empire, this final kingdom. Um, in Revelation, though, chapter 12, I'm just going to turn there in my Bible. Um, I don't have it as part of my notes, but in Revelation chapter 12, we are introduced, though, uh, to the dragon. That's what we're introduced to, and we know the dragon is who? It's, it's Satan. It's Lucifer. It's the fallen um, cherub before the Lord. It's the fallen, one of the fall, fallen archangels before the Lord, and what we see here in chapter 12, and I'm going to actually be here in verse uh, 3, we know that Satan does this. Um, he's pursuing after the people of God, which we have basically mentioned here, speaking about a woman. He is pursuing a woman, um, and this woman we know is going to be the nation of Israel. Okay, that's who this woman is, and this woman's going to give birth to a son, and then the enemy's going to pursue the son, the dragon does, and we know that Satan pursued Christ and tried to kill him at his birth. That did not happen. Um, it didn't happen. And then we're going to see now a depiction of who this is. A great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns. And on his heads were seven diadems. His tail swept down a third of the stars from heaven and cast them to earth. And the dragon stood before the woman, Israel, who was about to give birth, so that when she bore her child, he might devour it or him. She gave birth to a male child, one who is to rule, which is Christ. All the nations with a rod of iron, we know that's going to happen in the millennial kingdom, but her child was caught up to God in the ascension and to his throne, which he's seated at the right hand of the Father, even now as we speak. He's making intercession for us. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God in which she is nourished for 1260 days. So we know, though, if you continue on through chapter 12, he not only makes war with the woman who is Israel, but also the dragon became furious um, and this is during this seven-year period of time. We're looking at the three and a half years. We know there's war in heaven, and we know that Satan and his angels fight against Michael, who is one of the archangels of God, um, which we read about in other places in Scripture. But Michael and his angels, they fight against Satan and his angels in where? In the heavenlies, because we know there's more than one heaven. Paul says, I know a man, speaking of himself, I was caught up into the third heaven. We know that there's heavens, there's there's more than one heaven here, not in relation to where the 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 uh, the throne of God is, but in relation to levels of the heavens to where God is. And we know that these principalities are where? They're in heavenly places. They're in the heavenlies. There is a dominion in the heavenlies. And there's war. If you read in Daniel, just the battle that took place when he 
read from Jeremiah that there was going to be 70 years of captivity, understanding that it's been nearly 70 years, he begins to seek the Lord and pray and fast, wondering when this time was going to be. And then what? An angel was sent to him, but it took 21 days for the answer to come to Daniel because the angel said that I was what? That I was restricted. I was, I was in battle with what? The prince of what? Who was he? The prince of, the prince of Persia. There's principalities. There, there, are, there are hierarchies within Satan's kingdom. And this is a principality. This is a very powerful uh, angelic being that is ruling here. And that angel was able to get set free. But he says, Michael, your angel came and he assisted me. And then I was freed and I was able to come to you and give you this, this message. He was a messaging, a messenger angel. And so this, the heavenlies, there's battle that happens in the heavenlies. But there's coming a time where Michael and his angels will fight against Satan and his angels, and Satan and his angels will be defeated, and they'll no longer be able to be in the heavenlies. He's going to be cast down to earth where he has to stay upon the earth. And it says he comes down with great wrath, great wrath, because he knows his time is short. And then he what? He also becomes furious with the woman. He goes off to make war with the rest of her children, which is the nation of Israel, her offspring, on those and on also those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus Christ. Who is that? That is what? That is the church of God. That is the Christians. We are the ones that hold to the testimony of Jesus Christ. Um, that's who we are. We are the redeemed of the Lord. And he stood on the sand of the sea. Now we're going to be introduced now to um, the which is the Antichrist here. And I saw a beast rising out of the sea. Notice he has the same thing. Satan's system. This is his system. This is the system that we see, this fallen, dark system. But he has been behind the pagan Gentile empires. Remember, God had a chosen nation. It was Israel. All the other nations of the world were pagan. They were Gentile in nature and also in birth. And then we know the enemy is working through these empires. And and we're going to see these empires shown here. Not only do we see it on the dragon with the seven heads, the seven heads are actually representative of seven kingdoms. And how far does it go back? Well, guys, all you have to do is look at the people of God, who is the nation of Israel. And what do we find the first nation who oppressed the nation of Israel? What nation was it? It was a very powerful nation. I wouldn't say nation, excuse me, empire. What empire was it? It was the Egyptian empire. And we know that from Jacob and his 12 sons and Joseph being brought there by God's sovereign plan, will, and design, then the brothers coming later, even though they were involved in this um, horrible thing to sell Joseph and, and uh, to get rid of Joseph, we find it interesting that God already had promised this and said this was going to happen to Abraham's people. And that there would be one who would come in the fourth generation who would come and he would, what, set the people free. They were going to be enslaved. So here we deal with the nation of what? The very first um, head that we'll see is going to be Egypt, and there's seven heads. Then we have what? What's the next nation that we see? The empire, not nation. I keep saying nation. Excuse me. I mean empire. What Gentile empire came after dealing with the nation of Israel after the Egyptian empire? We know it was the Assyrian Empire. After the Assyrian Empire, we're going to look at the third head. What was that empire? Well, we know it from history, the Babylonian Empire. <laughs> and then what? Now we're for picking up in Daniel. And they see the Daniel's going to go, and he's going to look forward now to the, to the end of time. He's not looking back, and he's seeing the coming empires now from the time of Daniel. The Egyptian Empire is in the past. The Assyrian Empire is in the past. But the one that's rising up was what? It was the empire of the current king, the head of gold, who is what? Is the Babylonian Empire. And that was the third. And then we move from that, we move to the Medo-Persian Empire. And we, we see in Daniel, that is very, very clear that the Medo-Persian Medo -Persian Empire came after. And the Medo-Persian Empire comes along. And then we know what? We're going to see the next head. The next head is what? It's the Grecian Empire. It's represented as what? It's represented as the leopard. We know that um, that empire came so swift and so fast. 
and took over the world just so quick. It represents the leopard. And then from that empire, we're going to move to the next one. What is the next empire? It's the Roman Empire. And the Roman Empire, what? took over, but the nation of Israel was what? It was under the thumb of all these empires. It was it was being affected and inflicted and persecuted by these empires. You have the Egyptian, you have the Assyrian, you have the Babylonian, the Medo-Persian, you have the what? The Grecian and the Roman Empire. That's only six though, John. That is only six <laughs> because there's still coming one more empire. It is an empire. Some say it's the revived Roman Empire because Rome has never died, by the way. But also we see it as the imperialistic, uh, Luciferian, satanic, new world order empire. And it is going to be the seventh. And it will be what? Ultimately, it will come against who? The nation of Israel, the Jews, once again. And we find this, that this dragon has seven heads. That is seven Gentile empires that will rule over the world and deals with who? It deals with God's people, the nation of Israel first, and then we have those who hold to the testimony of Jesus Christ. And this dragon and this antichrist and then the false prophet system or the religious system, it is all powered and, 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 and implemented through who? Through Satan's plan and work, and it will be over the world. And so when we see the seven heads, we're not confused about the seven heads. We know who the seven heads are. The seven heads are the seven empires. And then we look at the, 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 ten, the ten crowns, and we see the ten crowns are representative of ten kings, and we understand more about the ten kings. It's not really that hard to understand when you read other parts of Scripture, but nonetheless, this is dealing with the kingdom of Satan. And we see here now... Um, in chapter 13, John says, I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising out of the sea, having seven heads, ten horns, and on his horns uh, were ten crowns, and on his heads blasphemous names. Why? Because they're pagan religious systems. <laughs> I mean, if you want to know where the mystic, religious, um, Gnostic, uh, Masonic, uh, Lucifer, all, you want to know where all this stuff comes from? It comes from all the way back at Egypt. These are... These are mystery religions, and it all comes from what? From Satan. It all comes, it's satanic, it's Luciferian. Every bit of it is, guys. And then we have God and his people in opposition to these things in this world. And John here is describing these empires and this dragon, and now he's looking at this beast, which is still part of the same system, and ultimately will be ruled by a ruler. And the beast which I saw was like a leopard. It's going to come to power quickly. It's going to come to power quickly. And not only will it come to power quickly, and it also has parts of the other empire in it. Because think about how this works, guys. Those of you that know anything about how the empires have passed down, and if you look at pagan religion, what you'll find is, is that these gods of, 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 um, of these wicked Gentile empires... They have the plutorium of gods. They have all these gods and goddesses. Well, where did all this come from? They all came from Satan. This is They're all satanic. That's, that's all they are. And they all take a different name under a different empire. Still the same gods, but they take on different names. And there's three things you're going to notice about them. There's going to be the god male, there'll be god female, and there'll be the god child. All of the empires have done this. Because Satan knows that there is going to come one who would be born of the woman. He knows this. This is not something he doesn't know. He knows this because it was told to him when it came to the curse that God gave and told Satan, this is the result of the curse and what you get for what you've done. And anyway, so what's interesting about all this is if you study those pagan religions, they're going to have those aspects about them. And they basically just fold over into the next empire. They get a new name, the same goddess, the same gods, the same pagan worship. They fold over into another empire. They fold over into another empire. And what you're going to find is that when John gives description of this final empire, it's got the paganism of all the other empires in it. It, it, it has elements of the other empires in it because they're all part of the same system. And what you see here is it does. It has a leopard 
like, which we know the leopard was going to be um, the Grecian Empire. We saw that in Daniel. And then we see also it has feet like a bear. Well, we know the bear represented the Medo-Persian Empire. And we could spend more time talking about that, but that was a representation in Daniel. And then he moves from there, and he says it has a mouth like a lion. Well, the lion represented who? Nebuchadnezzar, who was the king of Babylon. So the lion represents Babylon. And what we find that's fascinating about this is, is that this final empire has the, the, the other elements of those empires in it because it's just a continuation of paganism and a continuation of the kingdom of darkness. It's just under a different empire. And the goal is to rule over the world, right? The whole world would worship him. We're going back to where? We're going back to the time of Nimrod and the Tower of Babel. This is where it's all going back to. So we went from a world that was trying to be under, to just be one, and God scattered them because God told them, you are to what? Full, you're to, to, to fill the earth, replenish it, and to scatter over, you're to, you're to take over, go, rule. And what did they do? They rebelled against God's command, and they said, no, we're staying here. And we're going to do what? We're going to build a tower. In fact, we're going to build a tower so high that even if God was to send another flood because of man's wicked and re- wickedness and rebellion, we'll have a tower that goes up to heavens and God couldn't even kill us if he flooded the earth again. It was absolute rebellion. And we have the city of Babylon, which is part of what Nimrod ruled. And so anyway, we're going back to that. And then notice in the Revelation, we find that this is mystery Babylon again. So we start out there in Babylon, and then God says, nope, confounding your languages, scattering you across the earth. God says, I don't want you together like this. I want nations of people. They go out, do that, but what's the world doing again? In fact, you can't hardly get on an airplane if you're going to fly in American Airlines. When you go walk to get on that door, it's going to say one world on it. Why? With the Internet, with, with the, our transportation, with everything that we have today, the world is coming back to being one world again. Um, and you're seeing this, it's all happening again. We're coming back into the Babylonian world again, where there's one world. We're all together. Once again, commerce, religion, power, it's all coming back to this again. And this is where we're, we're headed. It's coming quickly, guys. It's nearly here. In fact, it's already here. It's happening. And so be, be discerning about these times. Um, this is not time. We're so late in the game, guys. It's time to quit playing games. Um, and I'm speaking of the church. We need to get serious about this and get our people ready for what's coming. Um, so we have these elements of that. And then we see that the dragon, which is Satan, gave what? His power. Here it is. His throne and his great authority. He's done that through every Gentile empire. He's given them. Why were they all pagan? Because they're all part of his system. And then we have the people of God who've been taken out of the domain of darkness and they've been transferred in the kingdom of the glorious son. And we as Christians today, we're not part of this world. We're in it, but we have a purpose being in it. And then you'll see this. Listen, in verse three, and I saw one of the heads as if it had been mortally wounded Mm. and he, his deadly wound was healed, whether that was a type of resurrection Whatever it is, we're seeing a, a, a deadly wound healed. I assume that this is going to be somewhat of a resurrection here. And all the world marveled and followed who? The beast. Who's the beast? Satan. <laughs> so they worshipped the dragon. Oh, my goodness. So we have this beast system, which, I'm, excuse me, is the Antichrist, who's been given power, authority, and a, and a throne from who? From Satan. They're going to worship the beast, who is Antichrist, who is ultimately in relation, they worship who? The dragon. They worship Satan, who gave authority to the beast, and they worship the beast, saying, who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? Okay, we're going to stop here, guys, because I've been long enough, and I know that I have moved around um, and talked about a lot of different things today. Um, But I hope that you can begin to grasp and understand that there are two kingdoms here. And if you're a Christian man, listen, we are God's men in God's kingdom serving the king, and, and we are representatives of this kingdom. We live in a fallen kingdom. Yes, we do, but we're king's men, king's men. That's what we are and we serve a great king. We're going to live God's way, striving to live God's way, and we're doing this for God's glory, the glory of the king. We're doing this for the glory of the king. And so, guys, I want to just pray that you'd continue to be gritty, be gritty men, men that have endurance, um, 
Harden your mind. And I don't mean harden it in a way that it's, 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 not, it's ineffective, but sharpen it, harden it, have knowledge, learn, study the Bible, know scripture, be able to lead your family well and to live right in this time. Because listen, the deception is rampant. We're moving to the destination. Israel has to be back in the land, which she was in 1948. And for all these things to take place that God has already said in the Old Testament in prophesying of what would take place in the nation of Israel, all these things are happening. We're living in an incredible time in the history of the world. No greater time to be alive and be a king's man than there is to be right now, guys. And I want to encourage you to stay gritty and to follow Christ and to serve the king. God bless you guys. Until next time, we'll see you soon. Have a great week.